Okay, I'm going to open up for our message. Praise the Lord. I'm going to pray out of my little special prayer book. Thank you, Jesus. We thank thee, O Lord, that thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. We thank thee that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We are grateful to thee that he took upon himself the form of a man like other men, and that he became obedient unto death, even death upon the cross, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Grant, O Lord, that we, the children of men, through the power of thy Holy Spirit, become like the Son of Man, which is Jesus, in mind and heart and will. May we be brothers to the race, enable us to toil patiently up the slopes of service. Teach us to be willing to forgive as he forgave. We pray for all the nations of the earth whom thou hast made one of blood. Speed the coming of thy kingdom upon the earth that nation may be long, may be, may no longer be warred against nation. That nation may no longer be warred against nation. Hasten the coming of the day when the knowledge of God shall cover this earth and last up to the, to the city or over to the cross the sea and bring us to who our maker and builder is in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things that you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And this Sabbath service, the title of it is Save Slash Born Again of Spirit and Water. And the chapter supporting this will come out of Romans 7, 5 through 25, and Romans 8, 1 through 17. Now, preferably, I'm going to get this all accomplished, but if not, we'll, we'll have a part two. And on the same theme, we're, we're standing on the same theme of salvation that I started with, uh, with this book called The Unsaved Christian. And I know a lot of you got this book so that you can read it, so you can know the difference between a saved Christian and an unsaved Christian. Well, why do you say that? Because a lot of people say they're saved and they're not. Amen. And they don't understand what it means. A lot of people call them call themselves Christians and they're not. And so we need to know because when Jesus come back, it's not the time for you to try to figure out <laughs> whether you're saved or not. Amen. So um, this book is by Dean and Serrera. And um, also um, it, this is a follow up with three parts of series of what I call what must I do to be saved? So I'm you know, trying to lay some foundation here and build upon it. So we, we've heard about what must I do to be saved so that we can understand if whether or not we are saved Christians or unsaved Christians, okay? And so um, this week, no, last week, 
because I played the U2 of Jensen Franklin, but I did have a short little message called, there is power in the name of Jesus. So when you know that you're saved and you're acting like a saved person, you have a weapon called the name. <laughs> That's one weapon, okay? And so last week I wanted to talk about this power in the name of Jesus. You also have a weapon called word. You have another weapon called blood. Amen. Those are the weapons of our warfare. Amen. And so the YouTube from Pastor Jensen Franklin was talking about prayer. So this week I want to follow up on the theme about saved, being born again of spirit and, and of water. Now, as believers, we must know whose we are, who we are, and why we are. Amen. In order to walk, pray, stand, and war in the authority of Jesus' name, the knowledge of his word, and in the power of his blood. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We must know whose we are, who we are, and why we are in order to walk, pray, stand, and war in the authority of Jesus' name. The knowledge of his word and in the power of his blood because he's given us power and authority to do some things that a lot of us don't even know we've been equipped with. A lot of us don't even know how to use it or don't even know what we've been equipped with. So we're just moseying on down life, thinking that everything that happens here on earth is what's happening and nothing else matters. And we will get to the end of the road to find out that this was just a portion and a part, but the real deal is going to be everlasting and it's gonna be eternal. And based on what you've done and what you've realized here on earth will determine whether it's gonna be eternally in hell or in heaven. So we don't need to be moseying on down the road without any conscience of awareness about where we're gonna end up at. Because you don't end up here on this side of heaven there is another journey past earth. And if you haven't utilized your time here on earth the way you need to, you may be sorry when you get to the next location. Amen. Now, I'm sure we all have heard this phrase. He or she have their own mind. And we have used that phrase. Okay. But what does that really mean? Have you ever thought about that? What does that mean? Oh, he has his own mind or she has her own mind. What does that mean? Now, based on just the praise and worship, what I heard this morning, I know I don't own nothing. <laughs> I don't own my mind. Okay. For believers, the Bible states that we are to have on the mind of Christ. Amen. So you need to lose your mind. 
That means we should be working, working to lose it because it just doesn't happen. You know, because you have formed opinions and views that you've lived by for most of your life. And it takes the Holy Spirit to change those thought patterns. But you got to yield yourself to the spirit for him to begin to do the work as necessary to bring the transformation that is needed. Okay. And so when he works on you losing your mind, it means you lose some of your opinions, but you take on the mind of Christ. Now, let's just examine the word mind. Webster's definition of mind reads the element or complex of elements in an individual that feels, perceives, thinks, wills, and reason. This confirms that, and I realize now I taught on a message years and years and years ago that was probably really premature and I didn't comprehend it, that we are compromised of a, of a compound of three persons in one. <laughs> Oh, glory, 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 which means we are made of a body, soul, and spirit. Amen. All of which must be fed properly to produce healthy results. So you don't just feed your body and let your spirit go unnourished. And you don't just feed your spirit and not take care of your body. And when you feed yourself properly, your body and your spirit, then your mind will take on the mind of Christ and not that brokenness that's in your soul because your soul is the product of your mind, your soul, your emotions. Amen. Amen. That's why it's such a struggle to get free. The biblical definition of mind is understanding thought and reason. Understanding thought and reason. And if you read the book of Proverbs, it talks about how we are to understand and have wisdom. Okay. Now, the Greek word for mind is dinoa, a gnosis, which is where we get the American word, diagnose. <laughs> Pray with me. Because <laughs> we got to go a little bit deeper than that little surface stuff that you, you know, where you get goose pimples and feel good. No, we need to think so that our inner man can get saved and come out of the bondage that has been in and recognize the benefits of being a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can rise above your mind. Amen. Rise above the decisions and choices that you made in the past that has caused you to be where you are today. And let this be a new day, a new beginning, where you're going to come out of your mind and come into the things of Christ. And rise up and have the power, the authority in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, as an unbeliever, we only think we have our own mind, but higher forces rules that. And as an unbeliever, in that case, is Satan. He controls our mind by filtering out what we hear 
to turn it to be what he wants you to hear. He's the prince of the air. Okay? To pervert or to disqualify you. All right? Which determines your thought pattern and behavior. So don't think you're in control. And don't think that some of these thoughts that you've come up with was resulted from your ability. No, we are either ruled by the Lord or we're ruled by Satan. That's why you need to be filtering out your thoughts. Because whatever your name is, you thought it, don't make it right. Okay? Now, born-again believers have the privilege to seek God in prayer for truth and understanding, which we become empowered by the Holy Spirit. That means before you start walking out with something, with your own nature, which I mean your old thoughts after you've got born again, before you go with what you have been accustomed to going with, following that same old pattern, filter it out by word and by asking God's questions so that you can have a better understanding and come into the mind of Christ and lose your mind. After salvation, by renewing our minds with the word of God, then our minds become transformed by God's truth, providing that we do not close off our minds to hear because something you are hearing doesn't line up with what you have always believed and received. At our first natural birth, we all were born with a selfish nature that that nature will manifest prejudice, partiality, greed, narrow-mindedness, one-sided, separatism, double-minded, and anything that does not reflect the righteousness of Christ. You may have some morals, and you may think that you're a good person, but the Bible says there's no good thing in the flesh. Let me tell you, without Jesus Christ, you can't even come close to being righteous. At least long good. In Christ, we become the righteousness because of him, not because of anything that we do. That's why we have to lean on him, depend on him, defer to him before we do anything so we can be in right standing with him. I'm going to get to the scriptures in a minute. Christianity isn't a spiritual terminology. But instead, a new and true way of living, thinking, and speaking. Okay? It isn't a name on a church roster or a seat in the pew. It isn't a denominational faith you put on an application. It is a peculiar way, a separate lifestyle, or I should say a separated lifestyle. 
You become an alien to this world. So don't fit in what you say, how you respond, what you do should not fit in with the course of this world. And you don't have to worry about it because God has your back. We become an outcast who will be unpopular and sometimes alone. But though we may feel alone, we are never alone. Not dwelling in the high habitation of the Lord and in the company of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who promises never to leave us alone. Amen. 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 You're in good company. Jesus was an outcast. (laughs) Glory. Persecuted for things he didn't even do. We get persecuted for things we do and say and think, they don't have no right to talk to me like that. If we were paid what we're actually due, we wouldn't be here. We would be dead. Amen. John 15, let me turn over there and read to you a few things about the mind. John 15, verse 15 says, this is Jesus speaking. Henceforth, I call you not servants. This is after salvation. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. (laughs) He don't have a close, intimate relationship with his Lord. He just flow, following, doing whatever he's told to do. He says, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Do y'all hear what this said? For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. You have a knowledge greater than the world system as a believer. Do you believe it? Because y'all don't look like you believe it. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Go over to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, what mind was he talking about? Where you have died to who you think you are, and you don't operate in vain glory, because you know you're here for a purpose, and that purpose is to extend your heavenly Father. So he says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who is the first son of sonship of mankind. That's the new born again man I'm talking about. The holy, righteous man. Okay. That's who we need to be patterning after. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, So there's work you have to do to put on the mind of Christ to take off and undress what the world has put on you, what dysfunctional parents, grandparents, people have put on you, what some educators have put on you. Okay, it comes from everywhere. Amen? Amen. Because we have a tendency to think because this is my family. It's good. And don't you say nothing. Well, 
there's a higher source that you got to answer to that's going to talk about you, your mama, and everybody else. You better be right with the Lord. Amen. Oh, y'all don't like this message. But. So knowing that we got to lose our mind, we believers have much work to do to undo what we have become before we have accepted Jesus Christ in order to be a shining light before unbelievers and in order to turn this world right side up. We got to forget about us. See, we, we, we major on the minor. It's always about me and my feelings and what somebody else has done to me. Let me tell you, if you are living and breathing, someone is always going to do something to you. There's going to always be a reason for you to be upset, hurt, wounded, or whatever. But you know what Jesus told John the Baptist, who was his forerunner, who he sent to, to tell the world that Jesus was coming? When he, John sent a message to him to say, is this really you? Jesus responds to him as his, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Because why? He takes care of the offenders. Woe unto those who offend. Let me tell you, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. God said, I'll take care of those who offend you. I got them, but don't you become offended in it because you are in me and I got your back and I'm taking care of you. So you don't have to walk in offense against anything or anyone. Keep your mind lifted up higher on me and I'll take care of the rest. You can't fix it in the first place. And all it's going to do as long as you walking around in that offense being wounded and carrying on you all is doing is keeping you crippled and preventing you from doing what you were purposed to do in the first place and taking all of your joy and having you so upset and bitter that you can't even get along with yourself that you can't stand yourself and therefore nobody else can't stand you either and then you sit around and you moan and you get depressed and you get grieved by every little thing blessed is he who Who's not offended in me? Amen. Glory. I want to be free to serve God with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul. Not worrying about Cushites on this earth that's going to die just like you're going to die and go to hell. Oh. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Okay. Let's get to the scriptures. <laughs> Romans 7. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. This is the day that you made. Ah, oh, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I implore you to come, arrest every unclean spirit that has tried to enter in, distract from your word this day, that is using from the infants on up in the name of Jesus. I arrest in the name of Jesus. 
any unclean spirit that have risen up and want to interfere and bring destruction to your word, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And you all do the same thing. We will not tolerate Satan's mess in the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. This is holy ground. And we will not tolerate mess that comes from a spirit of darkness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Okay, Romans chapter 7, and beginning with verse 5, in the name of Jesus. For when we were in the flesh, wait a minute, I'm going to read this out of another translation because I ain't got time to translate every little word out of King James. <laughs> so I want to read it where you get it the first time I start reading. Hallelujah, Jesus. For when we were in, in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Now, the law is given to keep you, but because it's given to keep you without a spirit, it causes you to sin because you only try to avoid the law to keep from bearing the consequences of your behavior. And nine times out of ten, because you're doing it in the flesh, you're going to sin to try to stay away from the law. But when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Because as a sinful, fleshy person, there's only death. And you're, walking, you're a walking dead person now if you're not in Christ falling after the spirit. Okay? But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. That means if you've been born again, you've been born anew in the spirit, you can die to the things of the flesh. And now you are moved by the spirit and not by the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Paul, Paul says, on the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. Without the law to govern us, we don't know when we're out of order. So the law is good to let us know what is right and what was wrong. And you follow the law. Don't think you are an exception to the law because you are now born again. You actually become a greater follower and obedient, obedient to the law because of who you are in Christ. He says, I would, have, would not have known covetedness unless the law had said. The law reveals to us when we're out of order. You should not covet, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. In other words, when you give, when, the, when there's a commandment and it's a law, people work at trying to get past it or get over it and get away with it, with the sin. Okay, it's just like with little, little children. You can tell them what's right, but they'll try you until you lay the law down where they understand it, <laughs> however that method may be, okay? That's human nature, okay? That doesn't have an age, but the, but the situation is 
when they are young, when they are children, you start teaching the ways of God and what his commands say so they will rise up in, in that and they don't become adults of disobedience. But you are able to handle and control your children in obedience because you have now put in them the love and fear of God. Amen. A amen. He says, um, for apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Y'all hear this? <laughs> because we are to die to our flesh in this world. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. When you're not being moved by the spirit and you're only trying to live by something you can't live by. Why do you think the commandments were given in the Old Testament by God to Moses to govern the people? But the Lord had a plan all already in, well, what you call it, a ram in the bush already for us because he knew we couldn't keep the law by our flesh. Why? Because when the sin, the original sin that was committed in the Garden of, of Eden, then we were no longer able to walk in something that we have now been transformed into something else. Amen. So he had to send Jesus to come to die to take us back to what his original plan was of holiness. Amen. Okay? Now, therefore, there's always a battle between the two natures. We see, if we had never, if the sin had never been committed in the garden, we would have been just righteous and good all the time. But because of the sin, what he did, he made a way of escape out of that sinful nature that you can take on to walk in righteousness. But it is a struggle because you got to lose the old broken, evil, wicked nature to even walk in the whole, a whole new godly nature. So there's a constant battle that is going on. And if you don't give God the right and if you don't submit and surrender to his will and his way, if you don't call out to him Every time there's a temptation or something to cause you to act like you've been acting before you got born again, then you're going to struggle because that old nature wants to take over from the new nature. And so that's why we have to call out and cry out to God immediately and repent immediately so we don't walk in the foolishness of the past and be deceived by our own behavior. He says, I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, <clears throat> sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. The commandment that was to bring life, I found to bring death. He's talking about the law. Yes. Okay. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good, because if the law can kill you, then it opens up for you to hear the truth that can bring you life. 
So if you were a moral person before Christ, it makes it easier for you to embrace the things of holiness and righteousness. Just a little bit easier, okay? To embrace the things of holiness and righteousness because you are a person of obeying the law. But if you are a rebel, <laughs> oh glory, you sure enough gotta die. So the law is trying to kill you so you can wake into the spirit and the spirit gonna make sure you're dead. He said, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. You know, what you say, well, I'm going to do thus and so because it's right, but that broken soul will have you do just the opposite, Amen. okay? But what I hate, that I do. So be patient, believers, with those you see that are struggling. And pray for them to change. Because something deep inside says, I would rather do what's right, but what you practice for so long rises up and take over. And if you're not conscious that you are a new person in Christ, you don't realize you're in a war so that you can battle that. Because there's always a battle going on between the two natures. And what you speak will determine who's going to be the winner. Right. You are not just, you know, uh, playing it by ear. Amen. Play it by ear if you want to. And it's going to have your behind. Right. You have to be intentional. Yes. Conscious. Yes. Make a declaration. Not going to see how you're going to feel. Feelings are fickle. They change just like the weather. You don't depend on your feelings. On your you have to depend on the truth. The truth will make you free. And you that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going by this truth. I don't care how I feel. I'm going by this truth. And the truth will lead and guide me in the path of righteousness. He says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do, but sin that dwells in me, which you become what you practice. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. 
For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now this is Paul in his born again state who recognized the struggle, but he became an overcomer. And that's why he's able to write the epistles to the church so we can overcome. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. It's in your nature. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members my mind, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. In other words, when it's in your mind, it gets into your body. Your members is your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your hands, your legs. So if, if you can envision it, it would become a reality. In order for it not to become a reality, you cast down the vain imaginations. You cast down those thoughts immediately and you tell it, come in line, come in obedience with the word of God. I will not entertain this. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's how we are delivered. You know Jesus, you call out to Jesus, you lean on Jesus, you refer to Jesus, you defer to Jesus, you trust Jesus, you lean on him, not yourself. Get yourself out of the way. Idolatry that you think highly of yourself than you do of your Savior who came to save you from death, from the power of sin. Do we realize that? So why don't we lean on him, trust him more, depend on him? Why are you still depending on what you think, what you can contemplate, and what you can get together? And how you can work it. Eliminate it. And say, I depend on you, God. He says, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. When you serve serve the the law of God with your mind, It's ingrained in your soul. So now you follow the law without a second thought because you love the Lord thy God so much that it bothers you when you don't obey the laws of the land. When the children don't obey their parents, it's because they don't have the love of Jesus in them. When they have the love of Jesus in them, just like you, when they say, Mommy, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Daddy, forgive me. But how will they have 
the love of Jesus in them when the parents is not teaching them. Amen. When the parents are teaching them what they're supposed to know concerning Jesus Christ, then when they go to school, they cannot fall under the propaganda. They cannot be brainwashed with worldly stuff. And then when they come to church, the church is building on the foundation that's already been laid and the children just grow and go from glory to glory, faith to faith. That's the same thing happens with us. We are supposed to grow. When he says not under the law, but grace means I'm no longer positioned to be condemned by the curse of the law. Because now the Holy Spirit reveals my sins to me and able me to confess them. And our Father is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That is a privilege as a born again believer. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace, which only means that sin have no more power over me. But when I sin, I can confess that sin readily. And just as fast as I confess it, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive me of the sin and then cleanse me from that unrighteousness. So I don't go back and repeat the same thing over and over and over again. The question is, do you ignore the awakening of your sinful ways when the Holy Spirit quickens you or nudges you? Sometimes he does this by situations in your life, problems in your life, or by another saint that you have chosen to ignore and make excuses for being in self-denial. You see, there is only one spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. There's only one spirit that can intercede on our behalf to our Heavenly Father and have the power to guide us, protect us, comfort us, lead us, strengthen us, advocate on our behalf, help us, and stand by us. And his name is called the Holy Spirit. And some people call him the Holy Ghost. No human who have died before us can do anything for us from heaven or hell. You don't depend on nobody else. Call it on, I don't care who was holy when they were living before you, and they're up in heaven, can't do a thing for you. So don't be calling on your ancestors. Amen. 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 And our ministering angels, who the Lord assigned to us to protect and minister to us, only move and is ordered by the word of God. Amen. Turn over to Psalms 103. So you don't be talking to the angels and, and, and telling them about what they need to do. Gabriel, so-and-so, you... <laughs> Don't be deceived. Psalms 103 and um, verse 20 says, 
Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearken unto the voice of the word. And the angels don't move till they hear God's voice. Now, you can speak a scripture that will cause them to move because they're hearing from God. But you don't be ordering and directing angels around like you got some kind of power. Because you got to remember all that we do is not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. And God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to those who have faith and trust in him. He's faithful to those who know his name and call his name. He's faithful to his blood, to his precepts and his principles, to his laws. And when we have honored those things, he shows up on our behalf. And when others intercede on our behalf because we don't have sense enough to know how to use those weapons. So when others intercede on our behalf for us to know his miracles and, and works are due to the confession of truth. He will perform them on your behalf just to draw you to him. And for you to come to know him. That's called mercy. Yes. Means he will have mercy on you in those circumstances. To gain you as his child or to increase your faith in him. Amen. Amen. And I'm saying that because I don't want anybody to be deluded to think that you can come to God any old kind of way and he's just going to do for you. Faith moves God. Order moves God. So why are we asking God when we know we're out of line, out of order and in sin? To do the miraculous. The only way that he does that is to open your eyes for you to recognize who he is Hallelujah. to draw you. Or somebody else been interceding on your behalf. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read um, chapter 8, some verses out of that. And then I will bring it to a close. It's called the spirit of life. So you need to recognize what the Holy Spirit can do for you. Romans 8 and beginning with verse 1. Let me see. I'm going to go through verse 17. Okay. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When I hear... Christians recite this phrase. This is what I hear. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, period. It's a comma. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do y'all get it? <laughs> For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. In other words, you can't just be in Christ. That's the door open. 
There is work that has to be done that can be done only by the Holy Spirit. You got to come into the life of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. So to keep you from being condemned by Satan and his lies, you have to lean on, depend on, defer, and trust in the Spirit working in you and for you. So don't think because you're in Christ, you made it. There's a word called discipleship. So once you come into Christ, there is work that has to be done. You've got to be disciple into the things of Christ. And it's never ending. That work goes on until we go to be with Christ or he comes back to get us. One of the two. Do you understand? Help me, Holy Ghost. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh because it the law does is guide and direct your flesh. And the flesh is weak. And subject to sin. So what the law couldn't do, the spirit does. Amen. It says, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free. Therefore, I don't depend on the law because what the law is, is weak through the flesh. God sending verse three, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So Jesus condemned the sin by his flesh and his blood because it was holy and only holiness can defeat evil weakness. Only holiness and righteousness can defeat evil wickedness. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? So let me tell you something, ladies. You don't control a man with your flesh. We're going to have a singles moment. You can't hold him with how you can work it. Even if you make manage to get him for a little while. You can't bring no change in a man with your sexuality and your sensual behavior. I know y'all don't like what I'm saying, but it's. It's okay. Because they are a dime a dozen. And because of the nature in them, they will get their knees met by almost anything and keep on stepping. You can only haul a man because you have biblical wisdom, godly love and compassion and greater understanding of who both of you are in him. And you depend on God in prayer to lead and guide you to on, on a daily basis of what you need to do. It ain't, it ain't that much fineness in the world. Amen. And you let the world deceive you. And you ain't built that great. I don't care how good your shape is. There ain't nothing that good about a female that can hold a broken nature man. But the blood of Jesus. 
the word of God. That's what can do it. Only the word and the blood can transform and translate. You can't do any of that. You mess around and you get translated into something that you can't come back into. That's hot off the press. That's not even in my notes. So I know this is from the Holy Spirit. You may have a hard time with it, but it's from the Holy Spirit. You don't have a hard time talking about that stuff in the world. So why do you think you have a problem because you're in church when God wrote the book? The book of life that tells us how we're supposed to live. Verse 3 again. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own, his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things, they set their minds on things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is entity against God, is an enemy against God. The carnal mind is an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Because the things that are not of Christ cannot comprehend and understand the things of the spirit. Nor can they even follow the things of the spirit. How can you follow somebody you can't hear, don't understand, and don't know? So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And that means because you can't walk in faith. If you're in the flesh, you are not walking in faith. You're walking in what you can see, feel, taste. And faith is unseen. It's what you believe in your heart that you can hold on. It's, it's faith. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Believers, if so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, we, we, we all know that we're going to die one day, but he's talking about you're going to be a walking dead person. You're going to be living like a dead person. Which means everything will be affecting you and you'll have no peace, no joy ever. Nothing is ever going to go right. You have no satisfaction do y'all understand that? Yeah. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again 
to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. The Holy Spirit is there for you to live out that lifestyle in him because he is our comforter. I'm going to give you some things and you need to write down the scriptures that support this. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. That's found in John 14 verses 6, 16 through 17. We have two intercessors, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor. Romans 8, 27 through 28, which is a good thing because when you know not how to pray about something, but you desire to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray through you God's perfect will for the situation for you or whatever. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is our standby. Hebrews 13 verses 5 through 6. He's our helper. Romans 8, 26. He's our teacher. John 14, 26. He's our advocate. 1 John 2, 1. He's our counselor. Colossians 3, 15. He's our strengthener, James 4, 5 through 8. And he reveals prophecy, Revelations 19, 10. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about being saved. Do you know that you know that you know? that you've been born again by the blood of Jesus, renewed by his spirit, and proven by his love. But have you also been born again with the infilling of his Holy Spirit that will help you to walk this Christian lifestyle? Because he walks beside you. He directs your path. He goes before you. Prepare the way. And it's very important that we have him. When we get saved, he comes into your heart. And at salvation, your heart is changed immediately. But your soul is still bound. And it's a constant working to deliver us from our souls. Like I said, that work doesn't end till Jesus comes back and get us or we die before then. Amen. So we need the Holy Spirit to daily work in us so that we can do God's will. God's will is that we live a life of gratitude, praise and thanksgiving unto him so that we can shine his light to the rest of the world. And your light is not shining 
when life has crushed you. When life have you subdued to the point that you don't know whether you're going or coming. When life have you crying more than smiling. When you don't even know what direction to go into. You don't know what your divine purpose is. You just make it day by day. And, it, and in this time, in this age, that's not a good thing to do because you will be overcome by the things of the world. But when you know a savior, no matter how dark and how wicked this world becomes, there's a light that's always shining that gives you hope because you know that he's with you, he will not leave you, and he's coming back and change will happen because we serve a God who is a God of impossibilities that will bring change when the rest of the world can't see any hope. This is why we come to service together and fellowship so that we are edified, encouraged, and feel the love of God between us and what we get from the throne room so that we can keep on going and not be overcome by life itself. Amen. Amen. So if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, but you don't know about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but you want the power of the Spirit working in your life, then all you need to do is just this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that I belong to you because I was saved by the blood of Jesus. Now, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to infill me so that I can walk this Christian life and be pleasing in your sight. So I thank you, Lord, that I am filled. I thank you, Lord, that I am healed. I thank you, Lord, that I am free. I thank you, Lord, I have the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Now I'm going to do the benediction. We glory in your presence, Father. And we thank you that this day that you've made is a new day with new mercies, an abundant increase of your grace upon our lives. And that we are excited and ecstatic because you live and because you live, we can live. Hallelujah, Jesus. And if nothing spectacular happened, the fact that we are breathing and can call out on your name, that's good enough for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And thank you for continually working your good work in us so that we will become a sweet-smelling Savior in your nostril, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Give me the prayer, Lord. Okay, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, okay. Thank you, Jesus. I cease not to give thanks for you all, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come god we thank you for that gift of life that you have given us freely we take it on and we walk proudly and up front and upright with it and we will go out into this world and we will let somebody know about Jesus Christ when we step out. Thank you for new life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>